been interested in gangster films. Maybe my favorite film, like many people's, is The Maltese Falcon. It's arguably the first film noir. Hollywood still occasionally tries to do a film that's reminiscent of Maltese Falcon, but nothing I've seen really gets the chemistry. The closest may be The Usual Suspects. So wanting more, I have started exploring earlier films noir. Most of my information about this genre has come from a podcast called Out of the Past, Investigating Film Noir. I highly recommend this podcast to anyone interested in film. I've listened to their shows over and over again. Their analysis holds something like the joy of seeing the films because they're obviously passionate and knowledgeable. As I listen through the Out of the Past series hosted by Cluton Edwards, I've come to realize what I like from film noir. I don't really enjoy the films that end badly for the subjects of the film. And this is uh, a bit funny because you could almost say that a downer ending is part of the definition of a film noir. But I like the ones where the lovers come together and it seems like they might have a relationship as a couple. This realization has me wondering about the depths of my shallowness. Let me give some examples. The movie Gun Crazy is full of interesting moments. The courtship at the circus with guns. The lead actress in Femme Fatale, Peggy Cummins, is a totally hot babe. She's also crazier than a pair of waltzing mice. Cluton Edwards described the very point in Gun Crazy where the filmmakers were obliged by the Hollywood Standards Board to include a scene moralizing against criminal behavior. But that doesn't ruin the film as much as the ending. To me, it becomes just a waiting for the inevitable. You end with a crane shot from above of this little patch of dark reeds and these two dead bodies. And as it pans up into the sky, you get this little dark island of reeds in the midst of this fog-shrouded world. And we're left to wonder, what, what matters now? Now compare that to the film Gilda. It's described as a Rita Hayworth vehicle full of Hollywood glitz but also a film noir based on abnormal psychology. Glenn Ford, in this case, seems to be the crazy member of a love triangle. He's shown to be punishing and vengeful to an extreme far beyond any forgiving. 
mind you, as viewers of Gilda, we are never let in on the secret from his past that fills Ford with so much hate. Clute and Edwards keenly point out where the film veers away from film noir, where the film should end in hopelessness for Rita. And he takes the little libre or free flag that stands up on a taxi cab when it's free and he pushes it down and you get a sense of just how trapped these people will always be. But Gilda ends with the couple uh, inexplicably deciding to start over. It's totally unrealistic considering what's gone before. Still, I enjoy the false ending way more than Gun Crazy's foggy finish. Here are some other film noirs that might not have the big happy ending, but at least they don't depress. Brick, The Glass Key, Miller's Crossing, Kiss, Kiss, Bang, Bang, I Wake Up Screaming, His Kind of Woman, Pick Up on South Street, Murder My Sweet, and Laura. I highly recommend His Kind of Woman, starring Robert Mitchum and Jane Russell. It was my favorite find from the Out of the Past podcast. It's just a whole lot of fun and weird. Surprise, it was created by Howard Hughes. You should rent it. Within the black... There is a power. Draconoir. Immense fragrance by Guy La Roche Paris. Feel the power. This beach towel and thermal dispenser, just $18.50 with any $16 purchase. Available at Riches. That a lot of these films were made by immigrants who came from Europe. And I'm thinking of people like Fritz Lang, who, at the height of Ufa in Germany, pioneered a lot of the techniques of film noir. Also, Billy Wilder came from this same sort of cooking school of Ufa, so to speak, and brought all the ingredients to America and used them freely. Welcome to Dead Air. Welcome to Dead Air. I'm your host, number 11. My guest today died in 2002. From the late 1930s to the early 1960s, Billy Wilder was one of Hollywood's all-time greatest directors, producers, and screenwriters with over 50 films and six Academy Awards to his credit. His films range from melodrama like Double Indemnity, The Lost Weekend, and Sunset Boulevard to comedies such as The Seven Year Itch and Some Like It Hot. Billy Wilder had a powerful creative influence on the American film industry. Billy, your last interview, you stipulated that it shouldn't be released until after your death. I think we're safe with this one. Those are the little victories that, that, that you win. Are there any stipulations you would like to make before we start? Don't shit. Oh, Christ. Sorry. You have made such a variety of films, you were so adept jumping between genres. But for this interview, we would like to concentrate on your noir-style film, Double Indemnity. It is not my style. All the material I read about Double Indemnity talks about how it reshaped the production code, the moral standard for movies in the 40s. It was uh, ahead of its time. I see a salesman hit on a trampy housewife, but I don't see any sex. 
The character's motivation seems to be boredom more than anything else. Yeah, the subtler you are, the more elegantly you do it, the better director you are. Do you think a modern audience, after seeing much racier films for decades, can appreciate the film? I mean, the Breen office wanted Stanwyck to come down the stairs in a towel that covered her knees. Both knees. We made a little change. But now I would like to show her being speared by a mad rhinoceros. That would be modern. Let's change the subject. Casting McMurray. He did like comedy before this. To me, his character doesn't add up. I don't know if it's the actor or the script. It has to be either in the writing or in the acting or both things. He was amazingly boring, but nobody would have been better. The joke was, how do you direct the eyes to that, to that sex part? You have to uh, 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 exaggerate some to, to, to make your point. She had a pathetic figure. I thought the sweater was working, but you didn't do Stanwick any favors with that wig. Come on, for Christ's sake, uh, don't, don't make an enemy out of me. I've never done any of the pictures that, that, uh, where I was ashamed of the content. It's just a bad wig. I didn't know you had strong feelings. You and Raymond Chandler thought the blonde wig made her look tarnished and more Aryan? You don't say. I did not uh, encourage that. That was all Chandler? We talked often about, about uh, illusion and truth. It's just all, all, all bullshit, you know? Well, that's all the time we have. Are those your last words? You can't let me go. We need a final line. That's very, very important. Okay. How about, how could I have known that murder can sometimes smell like honeysuckle? Absolute perfect. Perfect in, in uh, uh, timing the sound. Thanks, Billy. We leave you with the movie trailer. Till the next dead air. They have become ghostly. Dead air interviews are not real. They are meant only for entertainment. From the pen of James M. Cain, Double Indemnity. Me, Walter Neff, insurance agent. It all began last May. I was thinking about that dame upstairs and the way she had looked at me. And I wanted to see her again, close. Without that silly staircase between us. How could I have known that murder can sometimes smell like honeysuckle? I can't stand it anymore. What if they do hang me? They're not going to hang you, baby. It's better than going on this way. They're not going to hang you. Because you're going to do it and I'm going to help you. I'd like to move in on her right now, tonight. If it wasn't for Norton and his strike pants ideas about company policy, I'd have the cops after her so quick it'd make her head spin. Now, we know the Dietrichson dame is in it and uh, somebody else. Only I haven't got a single thing to go on, Keys. He'll show. He's got to show. Sometime, somewhere, they've got to meet. The finest come from Paramount Pictures. Comedies, dramas, musicals, mysteries, entertainment for everyone. Best of all, these great films you've just seen on Parade are coming to you in all their original brilliance on this station. We invite you to be our guest in the weeks to come. Remember, the best of Hollywood features are yours on this station. The biggest challenge facing the writers of these scripts was that they had to work within the limits of the production code. So they had to figure out very subtle ways of conveying all this sexuality and greed and lust and all this illicit stuff.
A Bow to Film Noir by Sunny Rainshine. Still warm on the scarlet chaise, a silver pistol, small enough to fit into a purse, lethal enough to send a man to his reward. Sprawled on the thick piled royal blue carpet, a man savoring his reward, handsome, immaculately suited, dead. The woman at the window, relaxed, confident, smiling, flicks the ashes from a lucky strike and watches the flickering neon sign outside the sleazy motel. Vacancy. 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 That's a laugh, she thought, eyes gazing vacantly. Up next, the juicy truth. The Juicy Truth with Number 9 and Rotwang. We're talking today about uh, McMurray Ranch, Central Coast, Pinot Noir, 2007. And it's from the Russian River Valley AVA. Uh, number 9... Is there an animal on the label? Yes, Rotwang. I believe it's an oriole, a western oriole. Are you sure you don't want me to look it up in my western bird book? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I certainly would, but <laughs> some other time. <laughs> I still have it right in front of me. It looks like an orchard oriole. A male. Oh, come on now. You can't tell that much. Well, you're as good at, at birds as you are at wine. From Canada to Mexico on the West Coast, so I think it's an orchard oriole, a mature male. A vineyard is sort of like an orchard, a low-growing orchard. <laughs> okay, McMurray, this wine is named after actor... Fred McMurray? What can you tell me? Anything about Fred McMurray? Okay, I know that he was a film noir actor in the 40s. Mm-hmm. And... Is this his, this maybe his daughter's? I think it is run by his daughter now. She's living on his legacy through grapes. Do you know anything else about Fred McMurray, the actor? The actor? Yeah. Uh. Have you ever heard of a little show called My Three Sons? My Three Sons? <laughs> yes. Yeah. You've never seen it? No. Have you seen the movie Kane Mutiny? No. How about the son of Flubber? Uh, no. <laughs> Why didn't you give me these assignments beforehand? I suggest that if you want to see him act, you just skip all that stuff and go right to the uh, classic film noir, uh, Double Indemnity. For years, I've seen clips of it. I've heard people talk about it. So I finally rented it, and I watched it, and I went, oh, 
it it's one of those funny things, you know. It's got lots of clever dialogue in it. Mm-hmm. The movie was written by James M. Kane, who also wrote The Postman Always Rings Twice. Some of the dialogue was written by Raymond Chandler, and some of it was written by Billy Wilder after he figured out all of Chandler's tricks. Okay. You get it? Yeah. Rotwing, you want to talk about wine now? Yeah, okay. Uh, let's let's go into the wine thing. We have to uh, re- mention again the color, and now that I've drank mine down some, it's getting redder. Along it's, with it's your in the, cheeks. That's right. It's in the near the bottom of the glass, and so it's not as dense. And I, I can see, but my, you said yours was redder than I. I'm I'm perceiving this as a kind of a pink. Yeah, I'm looking at it through the window, and it looks very red, but I, I see the pink that you're talking about right on the edge. Okay. Well, I I find that pretty attractive, uh, as a uh, a coloration in wine goes. And it's pretty translucent, too. Would you say that it was as clear as an optometrist's conscience? Or how about as clear as a poor optometrist's waiting room? It's pretty clear. What do you think about the aroma? Oh, well, I I have to say that when I opened the bottle, uh, all I smelled was the yeast. You always um, decant your wine first, in a way, right? Yes, I always decant, um, no matter how expensive the bottle, just because it's such an easy thing to do. You don't need a fancy decanter, you just need another glass to pour it in. Any chance the wine has to make contact with the air will help the flavors develop. Well, that's a, a really good tip, and it's something that I haven't... Uh, done before and I'm going to start doing um, took a, a breath and I think I was uh, maybe smelling something like a current you know the berry current that might be the flavor that I tasted at first too um, yeah I, I'm getting a lot of those really rich berries and fruits I get a lot of cranberry and cherry on the nose Mm -hmm. so I can see where you're coming from with the current. We should say that it's not sweet and you wouldn't expect this type of wine to be very sweet. Well, are we talking about the aroma or the flavor here? I couldn't, I can't remember if I was smelled current or tasted it, but it, you know, to me current is a a slightly bitter. Mm -hmm. I guess that's my impression. It's it's definitely not a, a bad taste to me, but it's not sweet. I guess if you say cranberry, you know how cranberry kind of grabs you by the glands. It might be like that, what yes, you're flanked. Yes, sort of tart okay. and bitter. Uh, this is mm. definitely not a sweet Pinot Noir, but okay. it's, um, it's not one of the driest Pinots that I've come in contact with either. It was as dry as a ghost ship made in a bottle. So it's nicely right down the middle of the line. Pretty, pretty drinkable. Okay. Well, you know, uh, cherries can be uh, sourish. Our, the first wine we drank together was supposed to be cherry tasting, and I didn't really get that. That was and the La Crema Pinot. That's right. right. Um, but um, what I'm, I guess I'm forgetting, when I think cherries, I think sweet, like a sweet cherry. 
and so that the sour cherry uh, or cranberry or currant, they're all similar. And I don't taste cherry in this as much as maybe cranberry and currant. Yeah, I think it's pretty strong on the cranberry. Let's talk about the alcohol content. It's pretty. Well, this is an. This is another one that's got a lot of alcohol in it, yeah, isn't it? Yeah, it's pretty steep. It's 13.5. Would you say this wine has enough alcohol to rub down a beluga whale? Uh, no. <laughs> well, uh, Chandler might. Now, you know, I, I'm buying some of these wines because they fit into the, a theme of a bigger show. and uh, But in my own personal uh, buying habits of wine... I think I'm going to be checking the alcohol content a lot more because this is the second one that we've drunk that has, you know, it's really high in alcohol. And that's mainly what I get out of these. If I'm trying to taste a, a berry or a, a certain flavor, all I taste is alcohol. <laughs> well, that's something that the decanting will help with, that strong alcohol smell and flavor. Mm-hmm. Um, as far as I'm concerned, in times like these, the higher alcohol content, as long as it doesn't taste like alcohol, mm-hmm. you know, the more bang for your buck. Maybe what you're saying is that, it, sure, it's high in alcohol, but it's still got enough going on. Yeah, uh, I think that's something that will mellow out the longer that it's open. Right. Yeah, so the the lesson for me for this show is decant decant the dang wine. <laughs> yeah, I mean you can even do it in plastic, a plastic pitcher. Just any chance it it can get to touch air is a good thing. Well, let's go back to talking about uh, McMurray. Well, I'm a person that loves to drink wine, likes to try different types of wine, but I always do it on a budget. I almost never splurge on a bottle of wine so mm-hmm. what I'm looking for is the best varietal from the best location with a good strong alcohol content I wouldn't want to spend my money on like a 6% bottle of wine right I now see. at this point <laughs> <laughs> okay yeah unless it were unless I knew that it tasted fantastic and it were some special occasion and especially at a bar if I'm paying seven or eight dollars for a glass of wine i want to i want it to be worth it (laughs) i think it's ideal that the acid levels are rather low i don't know what the scale for acid in wine is but they that was part of their website wine notes are you experiencing acid when you taste it still no it, it went away right really fast our impression is that it's not high in acid, right? Right, no. I don't like to drink wines that are really acidic. They make my stomach upset, and this this one seems fine to me. I actually am really enjoying it. It's, Good. Um, let's talk about price. How much was this bottle? Number 11, uh, intelligently saved the receipt. $15 a bottle. Oh, I'm so glad number 11 saved the receipt on that one. <laughs> <laughs> So we, we're shooting for good $10 bottles of wine, but for price-wise, it is considerably better than La Crema. Well, I think this is a nice little wine. I think that you can get wines just as nice for under $15, but 
I would pay fifteen. Yeah, uh, I mean, if we want to skip to the to the finale, like, would I buy this again? I would definitely buy this again. Yeah, I definitely would buy this one. So, do we want to rate this McMurray Central Coast Pinot? You want to start with color? I thought the color was beautiful. You know, no questions asked. I would just give it a 10 because it's so light red and attractive looking. I really liked it. I'd give it a 10. And uh, clarity? Right. I would go for another 10 for clarity. I agree. Uh, Now the aroma. uh, You know, you set the point on this one. A 7. Okay. So uh, the alcohol balance, we know it's high high in alcohol, but it didn't seem to uh, affect our enjoyment. Yeah. Nine or ten? Ten. Ten? Okay, good. Uh, uh, we're up to acidity. It was a good acid balance, right? Um, so what do you think? Uh, Let's go with a nine. Okay. Okay, we're now rating the wine on the sweet and dry level. Uh, number nine, what do you think? So I would go with an eight in this category. I'm going to agree with you. Let's judge this wine for complexity. I don't know. We're supposed to be experiencing some clove and vanilla that I don't really pick up on. It's it's on the back of the bottle. If I tasted clove in a wine, I think I might recognize it. I would give it a six. Okay, yeah. And the body seems pretty typical for a pinot on the thin side it was a bottle of wine with a lot of body a body to make a bishop kick a hole in a stained glass window no i think i think a nine fits quite well price is the final category i would tend to score rather low for the price if we found anything else that was even a dollar cheaper (laughs) we might never come back to this right right Right, we would be easily swayed. I don't know, I'd go with a five. Wow, that low, huh? We gave La Carama a three. Oh, okay. Yeah, it was we just gave, crazy high. We gave high. Juice a six. Okay. So, 15 is expensive. But okay, I'd be willing to go with six. Okay. Six? So, okay, so that gives us an overall score of 84. I think the 84 is fitting. The, the places where... It was hurt was in the complexity and the price. That was the kiss-off. The case of McMurray Vineyard ended like it started. We both knew the score. 84 points. The Rodcast musical bed you're hearing is called Haunted. It's used with the permission of the composer, Kim Schutterley. If you have a good idea for a Rotcast theme or a wine suggestion for our review, email your idea to mail at rotcast.com or call the Rotline. As a librarian, I was appalled by your insensitivity to the descendants of Sylvia Plath concocting a phony interview. Why? For some cheap laughs, I'm not laughing. Of course, you would say it is merely to help spread awareness of Plath's work, especially the 5B poems. But isn't that why you go to the literature section, the 800s, in your library? I was enjoying your podcast up to this point. Please cancel my subscription. 
The Rotline phone number will be posted at the website. Or Skype us at CallRotCast. Visit www.rotcast.com to learn more about the wines and link to more content. Listen next time when you will hear... We'd like you to give us your opinion on some clothes for teenagers. Oh, by all means, I'd be quite prepared for that eventuality. Well, not your real opinion, naturally. It'll be written out and you'll learn it. Can you read? Of course I can. I mean lines, Ducky. Can you handle lines? Well, I'll have a bash. Good. Show him the shirts, Adrian. Now, you'll like these. You'll really dig them, that tab and all the other pimply hyperboles. I wouldn't be seen dead in them. The dead grotty. Grotty? Yeah, grotesque. Make a note of that word and give it to Susan. The music that opened and closed the show is Film Noir by Venus Throw. You can find their music at cdbaby.com.